Well, today, as you guys know, is the last day of 2017, and I always like to take this time and take a think about looking back and looking ahead. And so what I've been doing the last couple of weeks anticipating this service is I've been spending some time looking back um, over 2017. And what I want to do today, and I'll explain why I want to do it, because unless you're going to say, he just wants to talk about himself, and I'm not really just talking about myself at all, but I'm, I'm just use it as an example in a minute, is um, I want to look at some principles that myself and my family, that we've been learning uh, this year, that I hope can be helpful for all of us as we launch into 2018. You see, I want you to build the launch into 2018 uh, in a good place. And that's what I'm hoping we can, we can come to um, today as we spend some time talking about this. See, and 2017, as I look back, has been a really good year in many ways. Um, as I evaluate my own life, and you, I don't know what you'd conclude this way, but I look back and I think I'm in a really good place spiritually. Some ends of the years have not been a good place spiritually. I've been in a really good, solid place spiritually. My family continues to grow, and we're close, closer than we've ever been. Um, we're healthy, and um, part of Portview Church, Portview Church is doing really well. It's really positive, it's happy, it's strong. Um, it's going really good. So I look back at 2017, and, I, my, and my feeling, if somebody said, how do you think about 2017? I'd say it's, it was a really good year. But uh, what you probably don't know, um, because a lot of times it's not the time to share it, is that 2017 has probably been the most emotionally challenging year that Suzanne and I have ever lived through in our life. Probably the most difficult year that we've ever lived through in our entire lives. We have had some really big challenges, and some of them are still going on in 2017. About one year ago right now, and I'll just talk about a few of them, um, we were doing ministry in Germany. Matter of fact, you know how Facebook pops up pictures one year earlier? Well, the other day a post popped a picture of on a plane flying to Germany to do a missions trip. And little did I know that going to Germany, I was going to get really sick um, with some kind of crazy flu bug or whatever that was going around and then getting on a plane and um, going completely unresponsive on the plane. And my wife and my son, who are both nurses and work with dead people all the time, believing I was dead for like five minutes. You know, my eyes fixed, pupils dilated, tongue hanging out, all gray, no responsiveness. Don't know if I died or not. I don't know. But um, that's how we kicked the year off, coming back. And um, what a lot of you don't know is how incredible the staff of Portview Church is because you have no idea the slack they picked up in the months following that. You have no idea how completely out of commission I was. That I was maybe coming to church in the office a couple of three, four hours a day. Um, I couldn't write. My hands would shake. I couldn't put a sentence together because I had a lack of oxygen for a very long time to my brain. And for months, it really affected me. And even to today, it still affects me. It's kind of weird when I drive now. I don't think I'm unsafe. But I'm constantly doing weird things. Uh, the other day, we came up to a we came to a stoplight um, right at Costco. Costco, we're gonna we're Costco and the hospitals on one side, and I'm on on the whatever road goes by Costco there, Port Road, and I'm sitting there. I'm talking. And we're taking the dog to the groomer. Suzanne's in a seat, and I stop at a red light, and I let my foot off the brake, and I just start going out to the middle of the intersection. And I'm talking to the dog, and Suzanne's like, Mark, Mark, Mark. And when I look, I'm in the middle of the intersection on a red light and everybody's looking at me. I've been doing that kind of stuff all the time. You know, it never happened before Germany. I can't remember words all the time. I forget everything in the middle of a sentence. 
Um, and so I'm getting a lot better, but um, I went without oxygen for a really long time. People say, well, that explains a lot about you. Um, <laughs> we've been able to hide it pretty well. But it was a really big deal, and it's taken a long, it's been a year of recovery. Neurologists and all kinds of different stuff. And so, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm say I'm 99%. 98%. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, I'm, 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 I'm really doing well. But um, it has been a big challenge. Beginning of last year and all through the year also, moving on, um, right at the end of the year, uh, before the end of the year, Suzanne's mom's husband died, her stepdad, which was a big blow, totally unexpectedly. And um, Suzanne, her mom's in Tennessee, Suzanne's here. Suzanne's the kind of the rock of the whole family. She's trying to navigate, help her mom figure out how to live as a widow. And it was a big deal. Suzanne's mom is... is um, She's always dependent on a man. And so Suzanne has had to help try to help navigate her through that. That's been a big deal. Um, starting in the beginning of the year, we knew about it at the end of the year, but in the beginning of the year and then the middle of the year, we went through the transition of Paul and Kristen leaving. And that was a big deal. Paul and Kristen, we basically, um, Paul and I navigated every transition in this church together. And every decision we made was together. And all the structure, the things that he's involved in, were built completely upon his skill set, which was an unusual skill set for a person in ministry, coming from an education background, coming into church. We looked for a person in education background and coming in, and as you guys know, beloved by many of you. And so navigating, it was, it was a many-month, six-month process before we had told you about it. And then the process of leading. And we got great staff replacing him. We love Wes and Danica. But it was a really big deal. Um, going forward. A lot of thought was that Pastor Paul, he really, his hope was someday he'd be the lead pastor of this church. So we literally were leading that direction for years and years and years and years, and all of a sudden just boom, changes direction. Suzanne and I, another thing, Suzanne and I both this year, and this is not the complaint, I'm just going to set some things in order to say it really was a challenging year that we didn't know about. Uh, Suzanne and I both dealt with some chronic nagging health issues this year. I have a bad back. Um, had had it for a long time, but this year has been pretty bad. I haven't been able to work out in a couple of years. Really injured it really bad about two years ago, and it's been just really always problems. My hip and the doctors trying to figure out what's wrong. They tell me I have arthritis in my back. Can't do anything about it. Um, so it's it's getting worse and worse, and it's a problem. At the same time, Suzanne has five ribs that are out of out of uh, that are dislocated. You probably don't know that. A lot of Sundays when Suzanne leads worship, she literally can't lift her hands. She lifts her hands, she's in excruciating pain. Five ribs attached to her, to her spine are dislocated, been dislocated for about four years. Took them a couple years to figure out what it is. She's been in physical therapy for the last two years um, to try to get them put back in place. As soon as they put them back in place, and generally when she's under any stress, they pop back out. And so I keep telling her, give me a razor knife and, your, and my nail gun, and I'll put them back in place. Um, but uh, she doesn't think it's a good idea. And so, really, chronic pain all the time. Um, won't tell you now, but discovered it thinking she probably had lymphoma or not lymphoma, um, lymphedema, um, because you know there was just they, no doctors could figure out what's wrong. And finally, a different doctor checking something else said, "Your ribs are all dislocated." And then they found out they'd been, been dislocated from when we did a thing called the rugged maniac. Uh, it was like a tough mutter that did as a family, and she dislocated all her ribs. She knew it hurt then, but didn't know that they never went back in place. And so it's been a really big pain in the back and everywhere else for a long time. So a lot of times she literally is in chronic pain when she's trying to, to do, uh, like doing worship and anything else. Um, coming towards the end of the year, Callie's birth was eventful. When the neonatologist walks out and says to your son and to the rest of the family, and the first words are this, your baby was born dead. Don't ever start the conversation that way. You come out and say, we have her breathing. 
You don't say your baby's born dead. But that was the words of the neonatologist. Your baby's been born dead in nine, nine days in the NICU and, you know, three days, first three days, not have any clue if she would live. So just stressful. Beyond that, there's two things I can't talk about, two really big other things that have been going on in our family are still going on. They're huge. Probably bigger than any one of these that we're in the middle of going through. And uh, so we've been, we've been walking through. Now, here's the point. I'm not trying to whine at all. I started off by saying, I think 2017 year has been a great year. I really do. Suzanne, sometimes she's like, hey, you have amnesia or something. You always remember the good. You don't remember how bad it is. And I'm like, well, I think that's a good, that's a good problem to have. But 2017 has been a good year. But as you look back, you're like, oh, my goodness. It's been thing after thing after thing after thing. And if you would have asked me a year ago, December 31st, 2016, what I thought 2017 would hold, I would not have guessed that any one of the experiences that I had would have happened in 2017. Not one of them would I have guessed would have happened in 2017. And what I know is that life rarely turns out as you think. So as I look back over the year, I've learned, and some of these things I've relearned, some really important things. Things that I hope, as I explain them, can help each of us as we face another year. A year that I believe, is what I believe, that God will bless us, as a church, as individuals, as families, as, as, as me, as a person, that he'll bless us, he'll carry us through whatever we encounter, he will cause us to thrive, because this is what I know about God. God loves us unconditionally and he wants the best for us. That's what I absolutely believe. But I know a year is coming that we really have no idea what we're going to encounter. So what I want to do today is I want to give you four truths. And I I encourage you to write them down. The reason I write them down is because I I have to relearn these things sometimes. Four truths that can help you navigate 2018 no matter what you encounter, good or bad. First one is this, and this is very un-American when I'm going to say this first one, okay? So pretend I have an American flag on because I'm not un-American. But it's very un-American as far as the culture, what we believe in. It's this. Control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. You see, we think we have a lot more control of our lives than we really do. Here's what we're told in our society. We're told just do the right things. Just eat right, exercise, get a good education, pick the right career path, plan for retirement, spend quality time with your kids, date your spouse regularly, on and on and on and on it goes. Just do all those things then the dreams that we have for how we think life should turn out will happen the way we've planned them. What this teaching fails to realize is that we live in a world completely, Scripture says this, completely corrupted by sin, and the effects of sin are seen every day in unexpected ways. Sin brings death, sin brings decay, and sin brings division. That's why when the, Lord, when the Lord said to Adam and Eve, if you eat it, you will die. And as soon as they ate it, death entered the world. Division between them. Decay on the earth. Sin brings death and decay and division. So think of it. So sicknesses, war, failing economies. You go, but our economy is doing good right now. Let's say, put, put that word in there, right now. Ask that question in 2009. It wasn't so good. Go around the world, a lot of places, it's not very good. Hold your breath, it will come back again. Um, your chronic back pain, some of you have it a lot worse than me. Divorce, 
unexpected death. Some of you, we had to share information this morning that a good friend of ours, and some don't grasp if you didn't hear this, but a good friend of ours, Dan Lupe, passed away unexpectedly yesterday. Fell over dead. Board member at OCS, member of his, board member of his church at Evangel, fell over dead yesterday. Suzanne and I spent the whole day with his, with his now widow. Unexpected death. 66 years old. A daughter that's a 7th grader. Unexpected. Almost dying on a plane. Having memory issues. All of these life curveballs are ultimately a result of us living every day in a world corrupted by sin that's been broken and is surrounded by broken or filled with broken people. That a world that's a lot more unstable than we believe. See, control is an illusion. And this is a hard one for many of us to swallow, especially in our culture. Because we live in one of the most prosperous times in one of the most stable countries with some of the greatest opportunity that mankind has ever had in their life. So many of us have been able to live in an illusion. We've been able to plan and work hard and delay gratification, all working toward the fulfillment of what we think our dreams ought to be. Well, friends, we need to know that the control that we think we have is an illusion. Life is uncertain, and it's good for us to know that life is uncertain. You say, how can it be good? Life is uncertain, and it's good for us to know that life is uncertain. I didn't want to use the book of James today because that's a series we're in, and I'm going to jump ahead, but look at the book of James with me today. James chapter 4. You would think that this was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, to a bunch of people who just left a business planning seminar at any city in America right now or a leadership training seminar saying, this is how you set your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your 20-year plan. Here's how you make your vision, vision, your mission, vision, goal statement for your life. I was just at a meeting like that last week and I wanted to walk out because James says this. Come now. I like the way he says this. When your mom says it to you, it's not really good. Or your dad, come now. Right? He's like writing to, to somebody who's not getting it. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and we'll spend a year there and we'll engage in business and we'll make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and we'll also do this or do that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Look at an odd last verse he puts on there. To him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. What's the right thing to do? In context of what he's talking about here, the context is the right thing to do is trusting in God over trusting in our own plans, our self-made plans. He says, I'm just going to go to town and make, do, 
do business and make a profit and do this and do that, and then fill in the blank of all the rest of the things you put in the, in the five-year, 10-year, and 20-year plan. James says, look what he says here. Because if I said this to you, you'd get mad at me. I didn't say it. James says it. James says it's arrogance to say you have it all figured out and you, are, you know what you're going to do and how you're going to work your plan out, that plan that you have dreamed up. Arrogance. Why do you say arrogance? Arrogance is really just about you and I believing we can figure it out and do it according to our own plan. He's saying that's arrogance. Why? Because the problem is it puts you in the place of God in your life. You say, well, I'm going to go do this and do that. And God, and he says, well, how do you know if that's what God wants you to do? See, friends, the reason it's good for us to know that life is so uncertain is so that we'll always put our trust in the right place. Not in ourselves, not in our plans, but in God. Who Understand this, oh God, who is always in control, who always does know what is to come, and always can work out what's best for his children. Putting our trust in him instead of putting our trust in ourselves or in our plans. Because life will teach you, if it hasn't yet, that your plans usually don't work out the way you think they will. And if all of your hopes and all of your dreams are tied to your plans, that that plan for the golden age of your life, and then when they don't turn out according to how you've imagined, you will be crushed. But if if your trust is in our Heavenly Father, then come what may, dying on a plane, or not dying on a plane, you know you are secure in His loving care. So lesson number one, From 2017, control is an illusion. Number two. Lesson number two that I've learned and relearned this year, you need a little longer. You need a deep, full, spiritual well to carry you through scary and uncertain times. I'll repeat that. You need a deep and full spiritual well to carry you through scary and uncertain times. One of the things that I've been prioritizing in my life over the last five or six years is establishing what we call a sacred rhythm. It actually comes from a title of a book called Sacred Rhythm. Trying to establish this idea of a sacred rhythm in my personal life. Trying to live my life in such a way that I have, I try to cultivate an awareness of the Lord's presence with me all day, every day. And doing things, structuring my life in such a way that I'm, that I'm filling up the well of my life um, through spiritual exercises and just through a structure, not a rigid structure, but a structure to bless me, a structure that's constantly causing me to live in a sacred rhythm so that the depth of the, of the spiritual awareness in my life is like a well where the water is rising. And as I've been trying to do that over the last five or six years where I've really kind of finally got a mental handle on what, I'm, what I think I'm supposed to do. It's been a real blessing to me. Um, I feel more connected to the Lord than I ever have before because of doing it. And it's been a great blessing to have been walking like this before walking through 2017. You see, you never expect a doctor to come out and say, and he said it to mom and dad, not to grandma and grandpa, but to say, Your baby was delivered dead. You never expect to hear that. Never. 
And you never expect to become unresponsive on a plane and get taken to a foreign hospital where they only feed you rye bread. Seriously. And they make you share your breathing treatment apparatus that you've got this crazy cough that's going to kill you with the 88-year-old guy in the bed next to you. And you're going, if I share this, he's going to die. So that your wife has to, your wife is, who's the nurse, is washing the equipment with hand sanitizer to try not to kill the guy next to me. You know, and they don't give you any medicine and they just lay in a bed all day and don't do anything to you. You don't expect that. When you refer to the hospital, you're in a Stalock 13. That's what I kept saying. I said, someday I'm going to get on a Stalock 13. Um, and I could see the planes flying out of Munich. And I'm going, I'm, I'm going to get back on one of the planes one of these days. I'm not sure when, but I'm going to get out. You don't expect that. Well, when, un- when unexpected things happen, Here's the reality. You need a deep, full well to draw from. Because I've lived it both ways, and so have you. Maybe you've only lived it one way without a deep well. I've lived it both ways, with an empty well and with a full well. And I'm telling you what, I couldn't have survived 2017 without going into it and living it and constantly replenishing a full well. You see, if your well is full before you experience the unexpected, then you have a strength and a grace to walk through whatever comes with grace and confidence. But if your well is near empty and your spiritual life is dry, before you experience the unexpected, and this happens because life controls us instead of us trying to put into our life what we need to put in. So the overcommitment of job, the overcommitment to activities, the overcommitment to whatever burns us out. And you can have an empty well and you can be dry. And if you're dry before you experience the unexpected, then you have nothing to draw from. And here's what I find to happen. If that's the condition you go into it, and that's the condition the people with you go into it, you're empty, then the bad attitudes are revealed. Then the blame happens. Then the fighting happens. Then the division happens. All that stuff that's a result of sin in the world, then that stuff is manifest. And it's never manifest more fully than when you go through unexpected trials. The thing that comes out of the blue and knocks you off your saddle and you're going, how come I'm now fighting with my spouse? Because you didn't have a well to draw from. And you're just trying to survive. And people who are drowning, what happens with a drowning person? What do they tell you to never do? Never grab on a drowning person. Why? Because they will pull you under and drown you also. When you're in a spiritual situation where all you can do is survive, you will kill the people around you. The thing that makes you only survive is that you've really got an empty well going in. I've got to tell you, and this is bragging for a minute. I can do that, right? I've been so impressed by my family this year as they have walked through, and a lot of stuff walked through in confidence that no one knows, walked through and are walking through some really hard times with incredible grace and strength. And I really believe the reason it's worked out the way it is, and it's working out currently the way it is, is because we as a family have been trying to figure out this whole thing of living by sacred rhythm and, and, and having great... great um, great ways of pouring into our lives spiritually as individuals and as a family. And it's been revealed through the hard times we've gone through. So the time to establish a sacred rhythm that will fill your well is now, before the unexpected happens. Then when you walk through anything, you can walk through it with grace and strength. If your well's full first. That's number two. That was a great one to learn this year. Matter of fact, that learned that one this year looking back and going, wow, I couldn't have handled these things this way 
had that not been going on in my life the way it has been. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for getting me in the right position, hearing the right people, learning the right stuff at the right time, because otherwise it would have been hell walking through this stuff. Number three, you need to be close with a few to get through. I'll explain. You need to be close with a few, and I like quotations, you need to be close with a few to get through. Genesis 2.18, and this is really important for you to get, Genesis 2.18 gives us God's perspective on mankind. And this is also kind of like the one that you got controls an illusion. This is also going to mess with you in our culture. Here's God's perspective on mankind. It is not good for the man to be alone. When God looked at creation, he looked at mankind, Genesis 2.18, he looked at man, and we just think that's talking just about marriage. It's not. It's talking about his, his perspective on mankind. He says, i got all these animals, all this creation, here's man, he's by himself. It's not good for the man to be alone. Friends, we are created by God to be in relationship with other people. We need one another. And in hard times, you need other people who are spiritually strong. You don't need other people who are spiritually weak and dragging you down. We are created by God to be in relationship with other people. We need one another. And here's the deal. Rugged individualism is a lie. It's one of the hallmarks of America. Rugged individualism. It's a lie. Why is it a lie? It goes against God's design for humanity. The opposite of what God said. When he looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And we now say, but I love to be alone all the time. Try it in time when everything's going bad. And you'll find out how come it's not God's design for mankind. One of Portview's purposes, we have five purposes. One of our purposes, and it says it this way, connecting authentically with people in God's family. That's why we have connect groups. Connecting authentically, you try to create a structure that you can try to help you connect authentically with people in God's family. Well, we have a tagline. And every one of our purposes is a tagline to help us say, how do we accomplish this? Now, I like to give quizzes. So does anybody remember the tagline for how you connect with each other? That's what I thought. Because I wouldn't remember it probably. I know I actually would because I'm the one who wrote it. Actually, I took it from a friend. It says this. You're going to all friends with many, close with a few, issues with none. Now remember that? Close friends with many, friends with many, close with a few, issues with none. Every one of us needs to be close with a few in our lives. And that will never become more clear. Matter of fact, it'll become crystal clear when you go through adversity. It's the few you are close to that help you when you don't know if you can go on. Here's what people want to do. They go through a calamity. They go through a tragedy. They call the church and they go, Pastor Mark, help me. Somehow help. Well, how many people can the church help? What's the church really? A church is a gathering of people who are supposed to be friends. The way it's supposed to work is, yeah, you can call me, but the people you're close with, those are the ones who help you. I've found, because this is why, I've found that it's the few that, are, that I am close to that over this last year that the Holy Spirit has spoken to and have contacted us at absolutely unexplainable moments. That when something very bad had happened, 
Within no time, there's one time we can't, I'll never forget, we just found something out, and within moments, a person texted Suzanne and said, I don't know why, but I am praying for this person right now. They had no idea what was going on with that person. Because it was one of the people we're close to. Close with a few. I've been amazed how often those close have contacted us over this past year, especially when things have been in a really hard place. Those people help you carry on when you are tired and you are weak. Proverbs 17.17 says this. This is a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You ever read that? A brother is born for adversity. See, it's during adversity that you need your Christian brothers and sisters. That's who you go to. The ones who are close to you. Your brother, your sister. They're born. They were created for times of adversity when you need them. This says something to us. Just like we need to have a full well before adversity happens, we need to develop a few close friendships before adversity happens. That doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen by accident. You need to develop friendships where you give and you receive. Now people say this, there's givers and receivers in the world. That might be true, but everybody needs to be a giver and everybody you're going to have time here, you're going to have to receive. You need to develop friendships where you give. A lot of times a relationship is one person's always giving, another person's always receiving. You need to develop relationships where you give and you receive. Because times come in all of our lives when we need a friend and where we need that person, that person, that friend to carry us along because we just can't make it on our own. And understand something, God never planned for the church to meet all those needs. The church, people use that to store the church. The church is just a gathering, it's you. And so how do we do it? We're, we're close with a few. And when the times get tough, those are the people who carry us through. That's how the church does it. Let's look at the last one, number four. It's this. God really is always with us, even though sometimes his light is hidden by the clouds of trouble. God really is always with us, even though sometimes... His light is hidden by the clouds of trouble. We need to settle the matter of God's love for us and His presence with us on the front end of our relationship with Him. You see, understand something. Christianity is not ultimately based on feeling. Christianity is ultimately based on truth. And this is the truth of God's Word. The truth is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's truth. Jesus proved his love for us 2,000 years ago. People always say, well, does Jesus love you? He proved his love for you over 2,000 years ago when he hung on a cross in your place and he chose to die for you and for me. He proved his love to you when he chose you and he called you by name to be his follower. He proved his love to you. And the matter of his love for you has already been settled. You need to hold on to that during dark times when the clouds obscure his light. Because it will happen. In tough times, you need to stand on truth instead of trusting in feelings. Because feelings change every day. You ask any person, a person might might, might, want to admit this. 
you ask any person who's been married at least 25 years and say, have your feelings for your spouse changed over the years? They'll say, yeah, there are some years I just couldn't hardly stand being in the same house with them. If they don't say that, they might not be telling you the truth. might not be that, ex- that extreme. C.S. Lewis, before he's ever wrote, uh, uh, ever married, wrote about that in his book, Mere Christianity. And he talked about how feelings will always develop for other people. He said it's just the way it works. So you base marriage or your relationship with God, you base it on truth. Because feelings change. If you're going to base your relationship with God on feelings, your relationship with God is going to change every single day. Now, I'm all for feelings. And I love that we were singing the great I am and my goosebumps are up and I'm feeling and I'm thinking, it's great to be here and be a Christian. That's great. But when you're down in the mully grubs because things are going bad and your conclusion is God must not really care for me because if he really cared for me, he changed my circumstances. What you're doing is you're letting feelings dominate your life instead of the truth. He settled his love for you in the front end. He hung on a cross and died for you. He called you by name and you responded. His love, the issue of his love has already been settled. It's not up for debate anymore. One morning this past year, it was just like the perfect storm. We had received... Really, really bad news. One day and then the next day. And it was, it was the, some of the worst news we've ever received in our life. Two days in a row. I bought two different things. And we went, we slept at, we went to bed, we slept, we hardly slept. We woke up in the morning, Suzanne and I, and we sat up in bed. And we literally cried through the 23rd Psalm together. Literally. Holding each other's hands. I think I was talking, and literally cried through the 23rd Psalm. Because we knew something. Though we walked through the valley of shadow of death, we did not need to fear. Because we knew this. God was with us. We knew it to be true. And here's the reality. We didn't feel it at all. It felt the opposite. Did not feel it at all. If I would have run by my feelings, I would have said, God, you're nowhere to be found right now. You've abandoned us, and you're not around. That's how I felt. But I knew the truth. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. Might not have felt it, but we knew it was true. So you need to settle on the front end that God loves you, and he is always with you, and he is always for you, even if some clouds are blocking his light. Now, the reality is, I started off, I had like six or seven different truths from 2017. I even asked a few other people what some truths they learned in the same way, and I consolidated some together. But I looked at it and I said, I've got to stop at four for a reason. And I don't want, we went long because of a prophetic issue and situation in church today. We went long. Because I don't want to drag it out where you miss what I want to talk about next. Because I know there's a point where you take so much information it's up to here and all of a sudden it hits full and you get nothing else. So I don't want that to happen right now. So are you awake with me? I'm going to wrap it up right now. I want to wrap up today by helping you Set up your 2018 so it can be a good 2018. And the way I want to do this, I want to invite you into an experience that I think will help establish some of these truths in your life. and to help to fill your well. What I found is the key to living these truths 
is establishing a lifestyle where you prioritize your abiding relationship with Jesus. I call it establishing a sacred rhythm in my life. And you do that now because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. So I'm inviting everyone to join together with me in prioritizing your soul care. Care for your soul in the coming week. The week that we set aside for, for special prayer. Well, the reason I don't let's say really a week of fasting and prayer or prayer and fasting is because hopefully you're praying all the time. And as the Lord leads, you're probably engaging in some forms of fasting. But a special week of prayer. And so I'm going to do a lot different this year than I've done before. I'm going to invite you to care for your soul, fill up your well, by engaging primarily in three things every day for the next six days. Monday through Saturday. Three things. They're very simple. Matter of fact, you're going to get a, if you want, not that we're in a thing right now of always giving you information packs, but it's the best way to give you information. It's the cheapest we can do it, the way to do it, instead of creating little books. When you leave, there's going to be these information, these, these uh, um, packets available. And in here is basically information about three different things about the coming week, six days. I'm going to try to, I want as many of you as possible to participate in these three things every single day. Because I really believe, first of all, I believe the Lord led us to do it. But I really believe if we'll all do the same thing in the morning, we'll all do the same thing sometime during the day, and we'll all do the same thing in the evening. I feel the Lord is trying to speak to us. I feel we're at a critical juncture in our church. I really do. I've actually asked myself, God, do you just want me to leave and somebody else to come? I'm not planning on leaving. But I feel like we're at a critical juncture in our church. That we have to now, we've got a great foundation, but we have to go forward. We have to reach lost people that are all around us. There's a ton of them. God is doing amazing things here, but it doesn't do any good to do amazing things. Keep all the salt in the salt shaker. Great to say, oh, we got such wonderful salt in our salt shaker. There's all these lost people all around us. Your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers. We've, God's got to somehow give us a, a, a strategy that will work to reach more. I'm not sure if that's what he wants to speak to us this week about, but I know he wants to speak to us this week. And I felt he wants us, to, for me as your, as your pastor, to say, if we do these three things, and all the same three things, with the same verses for six days, I think God wants to say something to us. And I think we're going to come to some, some conclusions of God speaking to us about 2018 and going forward. I really feel that. So here's the three things. In the morning, that we will all pray through the same prayer together. Now there's a written prayer in here from John Eldridge that I use all the time. I give to people all the time. It's, it's going to take about 10 minutes to pray through it. It's lengthy. And you, for some of you, that's really awkward. You, How do I pray through a prayer somebody else wrote? Try it for a couple of days. You're going to go, this is amazing. Matter of fact, um, was it you, Ripley? We did this one time on a Wednesday night. And you said, this is amazing. I think it was Ripley. And I, and I remember... Um, um, Elias. Where's Elias? You're somewhere in here. Back there. Elias, correct? It was this prayer. And it wasn't that magical about the prayer, but it's this, it's this prayer that puts us in perspective of God's power, our need for Him. We're inviting God into every area of our life. Now, I see this has been very powerful. So I'm going to invite you all to pray through this prayer. It's a written prayer. Pray through it. It's going to take you about 10 minutes in the morning. Then sometime during the day, We have six different sections of Scripture set aside that are on a different thing in here. And I'm going to invite you to take, and it's all explained in here, to take some time during the day, again, another ten minutes, 
and do what's called a Lexio Divina, where you read through it and you allow the Lord to speak through you. The instructions are in there. How you just read through it a couple times, allow the Spirit to speak to you. And we're all going to do the same verse every one of the days. Six days, six different sections of Scripture, we're all in the same verse. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then every evening, we'll end with what's called an examen. And all an examen is, this is why it's so important, don't skip this one. The examen is where you sit down and you sit at the end of the day, again, for maybe a few minutes, and you basically, it's like rummaging through a, through a junk drawer of your day. If you, if you can imagine your, your day is like a junk drawer, all this different stuff, and you rummage through. You know how you try to find the flashlight in the junk drawer? Or no, you try to find the batteries for the flashlight in the junk drawer? You know are in there, but you can't find them. It's what you're basically doing. You kind of replay the day. And what you're looking for is where was God's activity during the day? Because here's what I think we're going to find. God is speaking to us. If we don't take time to listen... And, and pay attention, we'll miss it. And so, you're going to rummage through there, and you're going to look for what God is saying to you. And so that just because it's the first week of the year, we always add fasting into there, I challenge you to do some kind of a fast during the week. Maybe what you're going to do is you're going to skip lunch six days in a row, and you're going to, uh, and you're going to um, do the Lexio. Because you're at work and you get away and it gives you 15 minutes by yourself. Whatever you want to do. I'm going to do a, basically a kind of a Daniel fast for the week. I don't have to think about food. The idea of fasting is you put aside normal stuff that's flesh driven to focus on spiritual stuff. And what it really does is it shows you how strong your flesh is. That's why the whole point of fasting. Fasting shows you how much you really care to eat. If you really care to eat that much, you can say, well, maybe I should care about spiritual things more than I care about um, butter burgers. You know? So I'm just going to do a Daniel fast where I already have the food prepared. Where certain thing every breakfast, certain thing every lunch, certain thing every dinner. That's what I'm doing. And it's kind of just blasé and, you know, it's just, it's already done. So that it just gives me enough to keep going. But I don't have the food's not going to be important to me for a week. So we're going to do that for this coming week starting tomorrow. So we've created this, this resource pack. And I just think. Just think what God might do in our lives if we join together in doing this this week. Think how easy it is for the devil to say to you right now, that's not for me, I don't want to do it. But think what God just might do in your life if you say, okay God, I want to fill my well. What, what, what might God speak to you? What might he teach you? What might he reveal about himself to you? How might your well be filled up in a way you've not experienced before going into a year when you have no idea what you're going to encounter? It was like January 10th. What day did I keel over on a plane? January 5th. I didn't know what was going to happen. Brand new year. You know the only good thing about that whole encounter was, other than just walking with the Lord, Josh Shiga said, I got to be in the Jason Bourne kind of ambulances going through the city in Germany. Um, that's all I could think about. <laughs> I could think about how the ambulances play that. And I'm thinking, I'm in that kind of ambulance going through Germany. That's all I could think about when I was going through there. I'm like, I'm not going to die. I'm fine. I'm going, I'm on those ambulances. You know what? You don't know what tomorrow might hold. You have no idea. My friend who passed away yesterday had no idea. His wife is 46 years old. She had no idea she was going to be a widow this morning. None. You have no idea what the, what the year might hold. Isn't it worth it to fill our wells up instead of making excuses? 
I hope so. So those packets are available. Participate as you can. If you run out, if we run out, we'll make more and make them available. Stand with me this morning. I know we went a little long and after we took some time earlier in the service, I looked at Suzanne and I said, it's freezing outside. They're not going anywhere else anyways. <laughs> what else could you do? It's freezing out there. Well, you're nuts enough to go out hunting or rabbit hunting. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are a good, good father. You are a good, good father. We've experienced that in this place today. You've you've spoken to us. Prophetically, you've spoken to us and calling us. You didn't call us to go run around the globe and do something. You called us to just dwell with you. Just to soak in you. Lord, I think through your word, and I know I can only imperfectly try to communicate it, but through your word, trying to see that, that we can fill our wells And if we'll live with full wells, we can encounter anything that the year might throw at us. Help us, Lord, to to prioritize, to put the most important things into our calendar first in this coming year. Those things that make us strong in you. And then fill in only what will fit around the outside. Some things might have to go, but Lord, we want to let them go. So, Lord, we want to have glorious years. No matter what we encounter, glorious years because we walk through with strength and power and love. Lord, I pray this, that this kind of talking about this makes anybody nervous. They're feeling like, oh, I'm afraid, I'm not in control. Help them to realize that that control is an illusion and they don't have to be afraid at all because if we arrest in you, you hold us in the palm of your hands and you just love us and you're going to get us through. No matter what. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Just a moment as we pray and crap of our service. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask one question. Maybe you're here today. You're ending 2017, you're going in 2018. And as I'm talking about this idea of you've experienced God speaking in, 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 in spiritual ways in the service, the Spirit of the Lord I probably has spoken to you in ways through God's Word today. You experience something of life inside of you through worship. And something inside of you is saying, this is for me. I'm not talking about Port through church, but I'm saying this, meaning of life with God through Jesus, His Son. This Christianity, I need to become serious about it. Maybe you've been to church a hundred times, maybe you've never been to church a day in your life before. Today, something's going on inside your soul and you know that you need Jesus and you know that you don't have Him. Here's the good news. The reason you feel that way is because He's the one calling you by name. And He wants to give you an opportunity to respond to Him calling. So I'm going to do something if you're feeling that way this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing deep inside of you. And I'd ask this as, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed because it's a, it's a personal moment. The only one looking around is me. You say, Pastor Mark, 
I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I want to take the first step. I want to, I want to ask Him into my life. I want, to, I want to say, God, You be in charge and I don't want to be in charge. God, You wipe away all the junk from my life, all my sins, and I want to be made brand new in You. Today, I want to start my life with Jesus. If that's You with no one looking around except for You and me, I want you just to, to raise up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I just want to be able to see across this room of hundreds of people. You say, Pastor Mark, pray with me. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, I promise you. I just want to give you a chance to respond as we close out 2017. So right now, just look up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we, we are looking forward with anticipation into what this year might hold. Lord, a year where some of our loved ones, we hope, will come to know you. Where some of our friends will, will find their, finally recognize their need of you and their lives will be transformed and they'll be saved. They'll be brand new. Where some of the dreams you've placed in our heart will begin to take fruition and they'll start to grow and develop and mature. All those things, Lord, looking ahead. Lord, we look with great anticipation and we pray now, God, that you would as we walk with you, fill our wells with your presence. Give us courage as we face whatever may come. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness.